morning. Let's all stand together, prepare our hearts this morning. I want to welcome you, those of you joining us uh, this morning in our service, from wherever you're joining us. We want to welcome you as well. And uh, looking forward to a great time in the house of the Lord and with you there. And as you join us in worship, wherever your location may be, whatever state, country, city, we welcome you this morning. Glad you're with us. Let's look to the Lord in prayer and invite him to do something special for each of us today. That God is a God of new mercies, new mercies every morning. And you can expect that and you can believe that and you can receive that. He is available to give us new mercies each day. Let's look to him. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege we have to be in your house today. And for those that are watching us and be a part of the service, we thank you for them gathered as if they're in worship today. And Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will do the work that we can't do. We believe in you, Lord, that you'll touch hearts and minister to needs today, whatever the situation, the circumstance. Lord, some need a healing touch. Somebody need that this morning. And you are the healer. You are the Jehovah Rapha. Somebody need provision, God, and you are the Jehovah Jireh. Somebody need peace, and you're the Jehovah Shalom. Somebody need covering, and you're the Lord, the Jehovah Nissi. You're the Lord that is there, right there with them. And so, Father, whatever their circumstance or situation, you are available and you are the answer. We invite you this, eve this morning to be with us in a special way, God. We ask that you'll just take control of the service. Holy Spirit, we turn the service over to you, that you will guide us and lead us and teach us and direct us and empower us and saturate us and permeate every life, every person watching, those that are here and those that are there. And in the end, Lord, your people will be edified as you are glorified and let the devil be terrified. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people everywhere say, Amen. Amen. Let's welcome the worship team. Let's give them a hand as they come to lead us in our time of worship. an awesome God. Amen. We serve a glorious God. Hallelujah. Rain or shine. He is worthy to be praised. We can do a better job of praising. He is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God and Lord we exalt you this Thank morning you God. Father God. We honor your name. Indeed you are glorious. Hallelujah. We lift our hands in praise to you. We lift our hearts in worship to you, Lord. We lift our voice to you and sing our greatest love will never be. You, Lord. You, Lord. We lift our hands. We lift our hands. Our hearts 
this morning. God, we bless you. God, we give you glory. We stand and lift up our hands for you are our joy this morning. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We lift up our hands, God, because you've given us the ability. You've, you, you've given us life this morning. Hallelujah. And we thank you. Come on, somebody, just thank him this morning. Come on, somebody, just open up your mouth and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. God, we bless you. Thank you, Father. We stand and lift up our hands. Hallelujah. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, we bow down. And worship him now. How great, how awesome is he. We stand and lift up our hands. We stand and lift up our hands. Oh, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down. We bow down and worship him now. How great. Together we say, yeah. Everyone sing, holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Yes, the earth is filled with His glory, holy is the Lord.
He has exalted his word above his very name. So he's trustworthy. We can depend upon his promises. Whatever your need is this morning, God is more than able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine. Let's join together as we pray. Those of you in virtual land, let's put the pause button on. Let's unite together as we make our petitions to our Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you that before we call, you have promised to answer. And while we're yet speaking, you promise to hear. Hear our cry this morning. Hear our cry, O oh Lord, that we cry from all over. So many different sites. I'm so thankful that you're not confused. There is no barrier to you but our sin. For your word says God's hands are not short, nor his ears deaf that he cannot hear. But our sins put a block between us and him. And so as we come, we humble ourselves. We ask you to forgive every sin, secret sins, willful sins, sins committed in ignorance. We ask that you'd forgive every sin that nothing would hinder the answer to our prayers today. As you look down, Lord, and our faces differ, so do our needs. I ask you to minister to every need in the family, oh God. There's not a family that is exempt from the effect of COVID, whether it's emotional strain, physical illness, uh, unemployment, changes that have to be made. We ask that today you'd strengthen your people. Help us to remember, Lord, that you'll keep us in every storm. There's nothing that takes you by surprise. So we thank you that you have made provision for us to have the victory. Your word says we're more than conquerors through him that love us. You've been there before, God. And he said, in this world, we'll have many tribulations, but we should rejoice for you, our Lord. You have overcome all. So we can follow your example. Today, minister to the sick. Some are struggling with COVID. Some are struggling with other forms of illnesses. We ask you to touch by your nail-scarred hands. For those who need a job, God, you are the way maker. You are the provider. It is you that can spread a table in the wilderness, let alone in COVID time. So in the name of Jesus, we call down heaven's help for everyone today that is unemployed or need a raise. You want your people to thrive even when there's famine. We ask for your help, Lord, and your provision, that there'll be no lack. Your word says there's no lack to them that fear you. So may you meet the needs of all your children today. Lord, for those with broken relationships, struggles in the family, we pray for peace in every home. Peace of God, cover us. Cover our home, our children, our spouses, everyone in our home. Cover today. Let there be your peace, oh God. Father, we pray for your men's servant who will bring the word today. We pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let your word go forth with might and with power. And let it accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it. We ask that not one of your word will return void, but it would fulfill your purpose, O oh God. And Lord, we pray that our hearts would be receptive 
that we'll be not only hearers of the word of God, but we'll be doers. For this is well pleasing to you. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will come and be with you. And so may our hearts be open and receptive to your word today. Father, I pray for our nation. You commanded us to pray for the nation. You said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, your people, the church, and turn from our wicked ways, you promise to hear from heaven and heal our land. God, what healing we need today. We're in a mess. No surprise to you. We ask today that you touch hearts from heaven. Forgive sins all over the nation. Forgive the wicked schemes. Forgive the lying voices, the lying spirits. Forgive, oh God, everything that we have done that is so sinful and contrary to your purpose and to your plan. From our elected and appointed officials to the least, forgive our sins and our iniquities in this nation. Lord, we are praying for peaceful transition. You see the delays and the strategies. We bind the evil one in the name of Jesus. We take authority over every foul spirit that's been let loose in this nation. We bind every spirit of witchcraft. We come against every spirit of confusion in the name of Jesus. We bind lying spirits. We bind the spirits of anarchy. And oh God, we declare, let your will and your purpose be fulfilled. Be glorified in this nation. Lord, it is you that appoint government. It is you, O oh God, in your word. You put one up, you take one down. All authority is in your hands. And so we pray, God, for peaceful transition. Overturn in a very clear way every scheme and every lie. And be glorified. We pray a new heart and a new spirit for the one that has been elected. We pray to be very clear, O oh God. Father, we commit our nation to you. We pray for peace all over our nation. We pray that the warring factions will lay down their weapons of war and be united as one nation under God. God, bless our nation, we pray. Bless those who are in the line of duty exposed to COVID. Some are weary, weary and weakened. We pray for encouragement for them. We pray for strength. And in the name of Jesus, we bind up the spread of COVID. Jesus, we pray you give wisdom to your people that they'll come up with a pure vaccine that will stop this little culprit. And in Jesus' name, we declare the healing of our nation. So, Lord, as we pray together, whether virtually or in place, we ask your blessing upon every family represented. We ask your blessing upon our communities. We pray your peace in Jesus' name. And everybody agrees, and we say... Amen. God bless you. Amen. God is good and all the time. Amen. We want to welcome you this morning again. Glad that you're here with us. Those of you that are watching us, those of you joining us from wherever you're joining us, whatever country you're joining us from, welcome to those in Jamaica, in Canada, in England, uh, in Trinidad, and also from out of state, I, I, get, I get it, I see that you're connecting with us, and uh, we just want to know that you know that we welcome you, we're glad you're joining with us, those of you from around the state as well, 
we want to welcome you this morning. So everyone in virtual church and those that are here, we want to welcome you this morning to be a part of this service on this day that we've set aside as the Lord's Day. Let me make a couple of announcements uh, as we want to do that. We want to remind you, um, first of all, that the children's ministry for this Wednesday, because it is this, the day before Thanksgiving, they won't be having any uh, service this Wednesday. So children, you're not going to connect this Wednesday. And of course, on Thanksgiving Day, we won't have the youth service. So that's Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. So both of them are off this week. Uh, so just so make a note of that. Um, also want to remind the academic club uh, that recipients, those of you that are part of the club that want you to remember that the box is still available at the welcome table until the last Sunday of this month. And so until next Sunday, actually. Otherwise, you can mail, email your, your report cards into the office, and I would recommend that you do that. Family captains, I want to remind you that as you send your reports in, you want to email them to Sister Carolyn, email them to our administrative assistant in the office there. Uh, that would be better to do that. And so I want to encourage you to, to send your reports in that way. I want to remind you about missions. We do have missions for India. We also have missions of Mexico at this time. Every As we approach the Christmas season, we're always supporting our missionaries in Mexico. And uh, we're the ones who provide the chickens for them. They feed about 3,000 people there. And uh, the hotel cooks it for them free. And we provide the chicken, and somebody has provided the rice, and the, somebody has provided the blankets, and together we all, it's a partnership. And so if you want to just contribute, whatever you do online, you can make a note. I notice that some people do that. You can actually see online chicken for Mexico. I've seen that note. And uh, also others, you can, whatever you want to do, uh, if you, as you send your envelopes in or however you do it, uh, just make sure that we know. So if you just put Mexico, that's still good enough or India, so we have both missions going at the same time. Want to shout out some birthdays. We have several birthdays. Somebody's having birthday today, actually. And so let me say all of them, and then you can, we can give them all a big hand. Today is Sister Larry Miller's birthday. Um, on Tuesday, Sister Valerie Houghton. On Friday is Mason Powell. And Saturday is Dylan Chung. And on Saturday also is Nathaniel Thomas. Let's give them all a big hand. Wish them happy birthday. Um, I think Mason may be here today, so that would be great. Mason, happy birthday when he comes again. And then we have an anniversary on Sunday, which is today, actually. Actually, today, uh, Brother Norman and Sister Nadine Ray is celebrating their anniversary. So let's wish them happy anniversary. May God continue to bless them in their marriage. And may God bless your years ahead. May they be fruitful, and may they be the best years ahead of you. All right, I think that those are the announcements that I want to make. Uh, I trust that also that I want to wish you all and your families a very blessed and safe. Today, more safety is more important than anything else. A safe and healthy Thanksgiving. And uh, so we just want to encourage you to practice what they've been saying. Um, so hopefully you are following the guidelines this Thanksgiving and not overdoing it in terms of guests in your home. The, the, the CDC is suggesting that this Thanksgiving we minimize the number of contacts uh, because as you are well aware, we are at a spike level that is unprecedented. 
In the last week, if you don't know, we had 100, we had 1 million new cases in one week. And we have 9,000 plus deaths in one week. So you just want to be aware. So that's why they're taking those drastic measures. And uh, as we go right into the, we're in the fall right now. And as we go into the winter, it is expected that it will increase. So we are believing God that this won't happen. We are praying for that. That doesn't happen. But that's the expectation. And so I want to encourage you to minimize the contact with people that you don't live with generally. Uh, you want to not necessarily associate in. And what they say is don't share your airspace. That's what they, the phrase they use. Try not to share your airspace. Your, your airspace. Keep it for yourself. So that, that way is the safest way. So a lot of people not traveling this year. They've canceled a lot of flights because they're encouraging people not to fly. Not to go see their relatives. Uh, it's just one of those difficult times that we're in, but it's also an important time. I, I don't know if you talk to the health professionals, but if you talk to them, people are dropping dead like flies, and you better believe it. It is happening. It is serious. I don't want you to take it lightly. I want you to be aware. The precautions that we've taken here as a church is because of that very reason why you see us the way we do what we do. There are some churches that have not done that, and we know one church where 90 persons had COVID. They, did, they didn't take the precautions that you and I are taking, and we can't take it lightly. Don't, 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 don't associate with anybody who takes it lightly, because it is not light. Because if they take it lightly, they could be infected, they could be asymptomatic, and you can get it. So be, be well aware. I want to encourage you to be doing that, because this is such an important time and things we want to do. All right. Well, also want to um, say to you that uh, we are, we've embarked upon a, a journey here. Uh, we are starting a series. If you remember last week, we began that. And uh, we want to continue this week again. And uh, we've been talking about a very special aspect of our ministry here. And also of who you are in Christ. And we've been focusing on that. And we're going to continue to do that for a while, because we're trying, we're getting somewhere, we're going somewhere, we have a plan, we're going to, and we're going to show you as we take you along with us on this journey, going to the Word, and it's going to be a lot of teaching, because it's, it, this is time for teaching, this is the time for you and I to get into the Word and to understand what the Word says of who we are, and what we're about, and we're going to correct some errors, we're going to correct some some faulty philosophies, we're going to correct some theologies, we're going to try to make sure we get it right, and that all of us are on the same page. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to be with us in our time together. We do have a baby dedication at the end. Just want you to know that if the baby's here, just know that we'll do that at the end. Our Father and our God, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find them, and literal medicine unto all flesh. Lord, I, I know I depend on you heavily, Holy Spirit, I'm relying on you now because only you can do what needs to be done. I recognize it's not by might nor by power, but it is by your spirit. So we ask you, Lord, to just do what only you can do. And in the end, Father, may you be glorified. May your people be edified. And truly let the devil be terrified. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. I wanted to ask if there's any first-time guests with us this morning. Just raise your hand if you are. We want to welcome you if you're a first-time. We want to acknowledge you if you are here for the first time. 
you don't want to miss anybody, maybe just say that. Okay, nobody this morning. All right, praise God. They're all regulars, and, and, and they've also been here before. All right. So let's get to the word this morning. You know, there was an ad. I, I, I think I know the clothing company, but I don't want to say it. It's a sort of an advertising. There's an ad on the TV of a clothing company, and here's their slogan. They used to say that an educated consumer is their best customer. Some of you may be familiar with who that is. An educated consumer is their best customer. Well, I got to tell you, there's something to be said about an educated believer. And so with the journey that we are on, we're going to try to make sure that you know some things that you should know. There's some things that you should know by now. There are some things that may be new to you that are important, but we want to make sure that you have the information so you can understand what the Bible teaches about who we really are. In order to do that, based on where we've been going, I want to give you a little history lesson. Because history plays a part in where we are today as a church. Not just as church, but as the church. You know, it was actually in this very month, on October 31st, 1517, 503 years ago exactly, Dr. Martin Luther is an Augustinian monk and a professor of Bible in the University of Wittenberg in Germany. It was on that day that he posted his 95 thesis calling for a public debate on the sale of indulgences. And that was a very historic moment. Indulgences, you may ask, what is that? It is a teaching of the Catholic Church and an indulgence is a way to reduce the amount of punishment one has to undergo for your sins. So that's how an indulgence is, is to reduce the amount of punishment. Now the sale of indulgences, it was a big business back then. The sale of indulgences had been a favored way of financing the papal income. That's how the popes of those times used to finance their income. And so the pope were told, the people were told actually, that by purchasing indulgences, they were exempt from any acts of penance over their sins. So you didn't have to pay any penalty for your sins if you bought indulgences. You had to pay for it. So you're actually paying for the forgiveness of your sins. You, you, that's, that's what used to happen. And that's how they made a lot of money. Now, indulgences could be purchased not only for the forgiveness of one's own sins, but you could purchase the forgiveness of your grandmother that you love so much. Get her out of purgatory. Because the teaching then was, not like what the Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after death comes the judgment. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians, in Hebrews. But the teaching then was that when you die, you go to a place called purgatory, where you are purged and you pay your price for your sins before you get to heaven. And so what the, what the, what the popes and those taught then was, if you want to get your relative out of purgatory, where they are being punished for their sins, 
All you had to do was to buy these indulgences. And so there was a gentleman, a, a priest, his name was John Tetzel. He was at the time of Luther preaching throughout much of Germany to raise funds for the Pope to build what we now know as the St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. He was selling, actually, indulgences to build that building that is actually there. I've been there myself. And Tetzel would say this. As soon as the coin in the coffers ring, the soul from purgatory springs. You hear the rhyme? Let me say that again. As soon as the Cover, as soon as the coin in the coffers rings, the soul from purgatory springs. And that's what he would tell the people. And so, of course, Martin Luther came up and said, that's not what the Bible says. And he contested that. And, of course, you know, he was excommunicated from the church. But guess what? That's how the Reformation began. That's how the Protestant churches began that's how we have Baptist Church, Episcopalian Church, and now Living Word Church, and all these other churches that are not Catholic churches, because out of one man standing up to say, that's not what the Bible says. And so Luther, it was at the center of escalating conflict. And he became known as the father of the Protestant Reformation. Because Luther said the Bible taught that salvation is a free gift of God, and received only through true faith in Jesus as the redeemer from sin. And so Luther was saying, your sins are forgiven, you are redeemed by Christ, not by the Pope or any priest. And so one of the greatest treasures of the Protestant Reformation then is what we have been talking about, the priesthood of believers. That concept that we began last week actually started over 500 years ago that was being taught. Now, it's a sad thing, you know, that if I did ask some people today, if, can you explain to me the priesthood of believers? 500 years later, we don't understand it. That's not good. So I want to make sure that we get it. I want to make sure that we understand it because this was, this, was the, this was one of the key things of the Reformation. Luther was saying, here's what he said, he wrote in the epistle of St. Peter and St. Jude, his, his, his epistle that he wrote, he said, this word priest should become as common as the word Christian because all Christians are priests. That's what the Bible actually teaches, and we're going to look at that this morning. Again, all Christians are priests. And I know that for some people that's a, that's a new thought, that's a new way of thinking. It's just that he was always there. It's not like it wasn't always in the Bible. It was always there. It's not new. It's been there all the time. In fact, it was being taught 500 years ago. So it is not something new. This teaching of the priesthood of the, all believers proclaims that every Christian has access to God the Father because the Holy Spirit has united us with Christ. And because of our standing before God, every Christian is a priest or a minister in our world. And so we see that, and they use the scriptures. And we're going to talk about those scriptures in a little while. I just want to lay the foundation for you. And so if you are to put the priesthood of all believers in a sentence, it means every Christian 
Every Christian has access to God and lives with a ministry of reconciliation between sinful humanity and God. Remember what the priest's function was. The priest's function was to be a mediator between God and the people. And so what happened is that what the Pope, the papacy did was that they sort of took that position where they were the ones that could represent the people before God and you couldn't have access to God. You, couldn't, you, don't, you don't have access to God as they did. And so that was one of the things that was for a long time propagated by the church. You and I know that this is not so. And so the reformers discovered that there were scriptures that were being neglected. Here's a scripture, for instance. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 to 51, here's what it says. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up the spirit. That was when he was on the cross. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. And so what God was signifying is that there was no longer a barrier. As you remember in the Old Testament, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, and he could only go one day a year on the Day of Atonement. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, the temple curtain was torn, signifying access. There's another scripture in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Now, here's the thing. This, this is interesting. Look at this. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, you can't present your bodies as a sacrifice unless you get into the presence of God to present it. And so what Paul was recognizing is that we don't need somebody to go in between us and God. We have direct access to God himself. Isn't that good this morning? We have direct access. You don't need somebody. What a good thing you don't have to call somebody to pray for you. Did you know that? You don't have to call and say, well, oh my goodness, I can't pray. I can't pray. I need somebody. Who, who's going to pray for me? I need to call the priest to pray. Oh, you can pray right away. You can pray how many times you want to pray. You can pray as long as you want to pray. You have direct access into the presence of God. This is an awesome thing. That was what was being denied then. And that was what was being taught then. So the people had to call to the priest. So the people had to come to the priest. They had to come to confession. You remember that? And sometimes you, some of you are familiar with that. Some of you see it in the movies where the priest is in that little cubicle and the person comes and says, Father, I want to confess what I did wrong. And the father would forgive them. But you know, we know that only Christ can forgive sins. No man can forgive your sins. No human being can forgive your sins. And so this is the, the, the error that was being taught. And another scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Here's what it says. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is within you. Your body is a temple whom you have from God. So you yourself, your body is a temple. You're holding the Spirit of God, the presence of God. He's right there in you. And so these things were contrary to what they were teaching. And then the final scripture that nailed everything. Well, one, well not so much. here's one scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. Listen to this one. It says, 
For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. No human being. No human being is between you and God. The only person that mediates between you and God is Jesus Christ. And so he's our high priest now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And of course, we're going to learn that we are seated with him in heavenly places as we've been studying Ephesians in Bible study. All right, so turning your Bibles now, so then you wonder where, when I'm going to get there. First Peter chapter 2. Let's get our kickoff scripture because this is going to be a very important foundation scripture for where we're going. First Peter chapter 2. Because it continues to teach this concept of the priesthood of all believers. And I want to begin at 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to begin at verse 5. For verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, begin at verse 5. And uh, here's what it says. First, are you there? You also, as living stones, well, let's get to verse 4 first, because it makes sense. Come into him, that is him is Christ, as to a living stone, so Christ is the living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, you also like what? You also like Christ, as living stones, we are just like him as living stones, see that? We are being built up a spiritual house. That's the difference. We are a spiritual house. I wanted to, something come to my mind. I don't want to confuse it with some more. So I'm not going to go down that road. We're a spiritual house. A royal priesthood. That's what we are. We are royal priesthood. Remember I said one. Each of us is a priest. All of us together is a priesthood. Alright. We're the priesthood. And so we're a royal priesthood. To, what are we called to do? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now let's go down to verse uh, 9. Peter continues. But you, talking about the believers, you are a chosen generation. The song we just sung, we're, we're going to sing early later probably. You are a chosen generation. You're also a royal priesthood, so a chosen generation one, a royal priesthood two, a holy nation three, his own special people four, to do what? What are you called to do? That you may what? Proclaim the praises of him, that is Christ, who did what for you? Called you out of what? Darkness into his what? Marvelous light. All right. So we're going to take that scripture and we're going to work with it. We're going to work with what that scripture says. Because that scripture is talking about the priesthood of all believers. And so it talked last week, we told you the first thing we learned from that scripture is that the believer is privileged. We are privileged. Why are we privileged? We're privileged because we are chosen by God to be a priest. We've been chosen by God to be a priest. you got to remember, in the Old Testament, a priest had to be chosen by God and appointed by God. You couldn't do what people do today, I said. They can't just nominate themselves and print a card, I'm apostle so-and-so, I'm prophet so-and-so. 
You don't designate yourself. God had to choose you in the Old Testament. But guess what? In the New Testament, we the believer have been chosen by God. My friend, if you're a child of God, you have been chosen by God to be a priest today. You've been chosen by God to be a minister today. Now some people, when I say that, let me clarify for you. The difference between my, minister, my being a minister, for, first of all, let's put it this way. I'm a minister just like you. So I'm going to try to make, I'm going to flip it around now. You and I are equally ministers of the gospel. Okay, I want to put it that way so first you get it. Let me say it again. You and I are equally ministers of the gospel. I want you to get that. That's what the Bible says. You and I are equally ministers of the gospel. So what's the difference? Why am I up here? The only reason why I'm up here and the only reason why I can do certain things that you can't do is because the law of the land. Legally, I am qualified legally, not spiritually, legally to do things that only ministers can actually do or ordain. For instance, you know, you know what is happening? <laughs> I give you a surprise today. I give you some, I'll, I'll teach you something that you need to know. You know, a lot of marriages that people that are married are not really married legally. They've been married by people who are not legally supposed to marry them. But they don't know. They think. So if they ever get into a real legal situation and somebody contests it, you'll find out that that marriage will be annulled and there wasn't a marriage. We're not talking about, we're not talking about marriage where you have a marriage arrangement, business marriage. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real marriage where people are in love and they get married. But the person who married them by law is not legally credible to, to pronounce them as man and wife. They're not legal under the state of Florida or under the state of wherever they're going because they're not qualified as the proper minister to do so. Not everybody who called themselves Not everybody who calls himself minister of the gospel is qualified to marry you. You see, a lot of people don't know. The reason why you get away with it, because the government doesn't check you like it doesn't come and audit you for the IRS. If the IRS start auditing several people, they will see a whole lot of different things. If the government came down and start checking on your marriages and your license to see who married you, and if they're qualified, a lot of people's marriages wouldn't be legitimate. But because they didn't check that, and, you, you know, there's a lot goes on. There are, there are rules and there are laws. You have to be ordained in the state to be a marriage officer. You see, that would never happen like in Jamaica. In Jamaica, you have to qualify as a marriage officer before you can marry somebody. You, you, you know, so you, that's very clear down there. And in some other countries. But here, everybody who calls themselves minister, start marrying people. But I got to tell you, be very careful who marry you. Because they may, if something comes up later on, and there's a contest, and it's contested, and you have a good lawyer on the other side, he could check it out and see, let's find out if the person who married you was legally qualified to marry you. 
So let's, let's get those things clear. So, so then back to what I'm talking about then. You and I are equally ministers of the gospel. So the only difference between you and I is that I am legally qualified to do some things. And then God has appointed me as a pastor in Ephesians chapter 4, where my job description is. So maybe it's a good time to turn there. So let's go there. Maybe it's a good time. Let's just follow the Spirit. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Since we're explaining all of that before we go any further, maybe a good point. I use your new, your new King James Version so that you can follow me. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Those of you at home, those of you, you want to be able to get your Bible and follow as well. I want you to know the truth. I want you to know what, we, what, what, is, what the Bible teaches. Not what somebody says, what the Bible says. Not a hearsay, but what does the Bible teach? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself, you can tell right who's that he. Who's the he? Is, is this, it, is, it is Christ, our God, if you want to put it, that's, that's still okay. You notice it's an uppercase H. It's, a, it's an uppercase H. And he himself gave some to be apostles. Not self-appointed. God gave some. Some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. What are they supposed to do? I want you to read it. What's next? Amen. That's what the pastor is called to do. He's called to equip the saints to, for the work of the ministry. Edifying means to build up. That's where we get the word edifice, the building. Edifying of the body of Christ. You and I, we're all together the body of Christ. And so the only distinction here. You and I are equally ministers of the gospel. Let's go back there again. So turn to somebody who is a believer, you know is a believer, and say to them, you're a minister of the gospel. Did you know that? You are. That's very important, those of you watching us. You are a minister of the gospel. The only difference for me is that as a pastor, I am called to equip you, that's what the Bible says, for the equipping of the saints, to do what? To do the work of the ministry. Now you and I know that this is going to be a big change in our thinking for us. Right? Because I know you and I know, culturally, culturally, you have a pastor to do the work of ministry. Come on now, isn't that the truth? Culturally, that's how we think. But that's not what God intended. Unfortunately, that's perpetrated for many years. It has continued for year after year after year after year and passed on all the time. And people thought, okay, let's get a pastor, let's hire him, let's pay him, and let him do the work of the ministry. All I need to do is to come to church. For some people, all I need to do is to come to church and, you know, I just need to come to church and he needs to feed me. And I need to grow spiritually when he feeds me. And then I go back home, and that's it. And I go to work, and I do my stuff, and I come back to church, and he feeds me. 
That's what some people see it as. And then some people may get to the point where, you know, I come to church and if there's something that I can do, I'll do something if they ask me to do it. And, but if, I, if it's not convenient, I'm not going to do it. And, and then I go back home and I go to work and I do my stuff. And then I come back to church when it's convenient. And I, I do my, I, if, they, if they ask me to do something and I think it's okay, I'll do it. And it, it's, it's this kind of thinking. Because why? Well, we, we hire the pastor to do the work of the church. We have the pastor to do the work of the ministry. Unfortunately, that's not what the Bible taught. That's not what the Bible has in there. That's not what the Bible teaches. Do you see what I mean by when I'm talking about we need some education now? This is why it's going to be take a while for this to sink in because it's a new thinking because the whole concept of culturally how we've been ingrained and ingrained in us that's not going to turn around overnight. I know that. I'm not unaware of that. I un understand that, you know, that's going to be a little bit difficult to grasp. But we'll get there because I'm going to tie it up with something else that you understand. So we understand then, this is what the Bible says. So let's go back to our Peter passage. Come back to Peter now. At least you see that part. I just want you to see that part. Let's get back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're getting into the word, you see. That's what we need to get into. All right. So we said that, first of all, that a believer is privileged because the believer has been chosen as a priest by God. He's a chosen generation. A holy nation. His own special people. Can you imagine? You are God's special people. Did you know that you're that special to God? You are special to him. You're precious. You're not a nobody. You're not a nobody. It doesn't matter what your occupation, doesn't matter your education level. You, if you're a child of God, you're not a nobody. You're God's special people. And later on we, said, we see that the Bible says you're royalty. Because you're connected with the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords. And he says you're a royal priesthood. That's how special you are. And you need to remember that. So when you get discouraged. When you feel down. When you feel like nobody cares about me. Or nobody knows me. I want you to remember. That God has chosen you as his special people. Somebody need that this morning to know that. You are his special people. Alright. So that's the first thing is that we are privileged. What is the second thing we, le we learn from this? We are chosen for a purpose. You know, when God chooses us, it's not arbitrary. God doesn't do things haphazardly. God chose us for a purpose. He's a planner. If you look the word of God, you say God plans. He plans. And um, he, he chose us for a purpose. So what's the purpose? The Bible tells us that. It tells us what the purpose is. Just as the priests offered sacrifices in the Old Testament, we today are to offer sacrifice, but we're not offering sacrifices of bulls and cows and calves and lambs. What kind of sacrifice we say the Bible says we're supposed to offer? It's in that passage. Can you look at it? Somebody tell me. What does it say? To offer of what? What kind of sacrifice? Go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, and it's in verse 5. 
1 Peter 2 verse 5, you also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual host, a holy priesthood to offer up what? That's right. But notice the word what? Acceptable to God. Uh-huh. You not only have to offer up spiritual sacrifices. I like English language, you know, it's really good. It's not just spiritual sacrifices. Because anybody can decide to qualify and say, Yo, I'm going to offer up this and that's a spiritual sacrifice. Who says that's acceptable to God? You have to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So then, the question comes then, the natural question should be to me now, if we are reasoning, the next question should be, what is a what? What is a spiritual sacrifice? Yes. If what we are supposed to offer up is spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, what spiritual sacrifices are acceptable to God. Well, let's think generally of the word sacrifice. When you sacrifice something, do you give away something you don't want or something you really want? If you sacrifice giving something and you say, I'm going to make a sacrifice here, is it because of something you don't want or something you really want to keep? Something you really want to keep. So when we offer, when we do offer a sacrifice, it's something we really want to keep. We don't want to necessarily part with it. We want to keep it. And so, you know, I know a brother, if he gave you one of his mangoes, he make a huge sacrifice. I got to tell you that. I mean, to get one of his mangoes would be a huge sacrifice. What if your tree, your mango tree bore one mango? One mango. And you, somebody says to you, <laughs> I see somebody shaking their head and say, oh, no, don't go, don't go there. Somebody says to you, can I get that? And if it's, let's say it is a East Indian or it is a Julie or a Bombay. I don't know which mango you like. But it's one of your mangoes, your favorite mango. And somebody says, can you give, me to, give it to me? For you to give it to them is a what? That's a major sacrifice. So the Bible says we are supposed to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So then biblically, what does it mean? But biblically, a sacrifice is given by a lesser being, man, to a greater being, God, as a form of submission and worship. Now here's the thing. When they offered sacrifices in the Old Testament, they couldn't bring the lame lamb or the one blind lamb or a lamb that was sick. They had to bring a lamb that was without, what is the word? Blemish. No form of defection. Nothing wrong with this lamb. It must be perfect. God only asks us for the best. Only the best. You know, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I just, I was, where I'm, I'm in, in my reading now, I'm in Ezekiel, in my daily devotion reading. And God says to the prophet, he says, in the temple, the only thing that is acceptable is absolute holiness. Wow. 
absolute, he says the, the, he says the basic law of the temple is absolute holiness. And then there is a gate of the temple that God entered through. And he told the prophet, close that gate. And no one to ever enter that gate again or go through that gate. Because God came through it. It is now so holy. When you offer to God, you don't offer what is leftovers. God expects to receive from us the best. It is the reason why Cain and Abel had a problem with God. When you read the language, Cain offered some of his produce to God. Abel gave his first lamb. He gave the first to God. And I'm sure he's going to give the best. But Cain gave some. He gave some of his products. He didn't necessarily, we don't know how quality it was, but God wasn't happy with what he got. And that was a problem. When you give to God, you got to give to the best. Give the best. All right. Now turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. We want the want word of God to speak. Hebrews chapter 13. I want you to see it in the word. And I'm not just giving you something. And you say, where did that come from? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Verse 15. It's going it's to clarify for us these sacrifices that we're talking about. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Let me read it for you. Okay, no, I think you, you've got it. You've got it? You got it you got in the New King James Version? Let's read it together after two. Let's read it together after two. We're going to read. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to read verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16 of Hebrews chapter 13. After two, together. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of Praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is what? So you see, we got the Bible telling us exactly what is sacrifices. It's telling us what our spiritual sacrifices and it's also telling us what sacrifices are acceptable to God in this verse. We got the answer in this verse right here. So scripture clarifies scripture for us. So let's go back to it then. So it says to us, we must offer up continually, continually, the sacrifice of praise. Oh, hallelujah. But you know the Bible clarifies that for us? Look at the phrase, fruit of lips. Fruit of lips. In other words, it's not a praise, Brother Andre, where I just say in my heart. You know, I just said praise God in my heart, you know. If it's the fruit of my lips, are you going to hear it? Absolutely. You see, you're going to hear it. You see, God is saying, don't offer me praise I hear nothing. Don't do that. That's not acceptable to God. That's not, that's not the kind of sacrifice of praise that is a pleasing to God. 
He want to hear the fruity lips. Praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath, what? Praise the Lord. God wants us to praise him, my friend. So the psalmist says in Psalm 13, verse 6, I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Can anybody say that this morning? Do I have a testimony? The psalmist in Psalm 30, verse 4 says, Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. Psalm 34, I love it. It says, I will bless the Lord. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. Come on, lift your hands and give him praise this morning. Give him praise. Take a moment. Take a moment to offer some sacrifice of praise. You that are at home, take a moment to offer a sacrifice of praise. It is pleasing to the Lord. You are a priest. You've been called to offer up sacrifice. But not bulls or cows or calves, but sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. We give you praise, God. We give you glory, God. We give you honor, God. We bless your name, Jesus. Where are my musicians? Offer a sacrifice of praise. Holy God, righteous God. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Can you raise that once? We give you praise. We give you praise. Give him praise this morning. We want to give God praise. Sacrifice of praise. You don't feel like giving it. That's the time you give it. Lord, now. Lord. Lord, now and always. Yes, Lord. We give you praise. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We, we give you praise. We Seated. 
Psalmist in 54 says, I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. God deserves to be praised. I like the song that used to say, we just can't praise him enough. We really can't. We can't praise God enough for what he's done for us. And so the first thing that the Bible says is that we, as a sacrifice of, as a spiritual sacrifice that we need to offer up is a sacrifice of praise. And then there's a second thing in that verse. It says, do not, in verse 16, do not forget to what? To do good and share. Do not forget to do good and share. You know, we are called to do good deeds. We are called to share with one another. Somebody says, I really want to do something with my life. How about sharing it with somebody? Share what you have. It's a great place to start making spiritual sacrifices is to share. There are people around you that you could share with. Don't be afraid. The Bible says do not forget to do good. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved unto good works. I want you to understand that. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved unto good works. In fact, what God is going to judge us by, when we stand before God, my friend, he's not going to judge you for your sins. You wouldn't have made it if he's going to do that. You wouldn't have made it then that into this judgment with the believers, the Bema judgment. When you stand before God, it's not about your sins. It's going to be about your good works. Did you do them with the right motive? Did you do it so people could see that you're doing something good? Did you do it so that people could pat you on the back? Or did you genuinely care about the person that you're helping? See, that's in 1 Corinthians. It explains to us all of that there. Not, not time for that right now. But it says, whatever you're offering up, whatever you're doing, your deeds, your good deeds, God's going to judge them. He's going to put them through the fire. And if it's made of wood or stubble or hay, and what qualifies that? The motive. Why did I do that good deed? Was I doing it out of the goodness of my heart? Or was I doing it so that everybody could see me? Was I doing it so people could say what a good person you are? Was I doing it because it benefited me? What was it? Why was I doing it? But we are called to do good deeds. And that's what God is going to judge us for when we stand before him. Not one sin will come up. Because they have been forgiven. Remember, he's removed our sin as far from us as the what? Exactly. It is gone. Even if, one, even if other people want, to, want it to still be upon you, it is gone. He's not going to judge you for your sins when you stand before him. But he's certainly going to judge all of us for what good deeds we did. Because you remember Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. For we are his workmanship, chapter verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. If God already before you and I were born prepared the good works we're supposed to do, all he's going to ask us when we stand before him is, did you remember the time when I put on your heart to do this and you decide you're not going to do it? That was one of the good works I prepared beforehand for you to walk in, but you refused to walk in it. You see, he's not going, God is very fear, you know, very, very fear. God is never unjust. And he's only going to judge us on the basis of what we were supposed to do. He's not going to judge you on the basis of what I am supposed to do or the level of what I am supposed to do. And he's not going to judge me on the basis of the level that you are supposed to do. He's going to judge each of us according to how he's prepared beforehand. The good works that he's prepared beforehand for you to walk in. The good works he's prepared beforehand for me to walk in. It is those good works that are acceptable sacrifices to God. So when you're doing the good works, guess what you're doing? Priestly work. Ministerial work. You're doing what you're called to do. You're offering up the kind of sacrifice God said you're supposed to offer up. We don't come with bulls. We don't come with calves. We don't come with lambs. We come with sacrifices of praise. And we come with sacrifices of doing good and sharing. Oh my goodness, if ever a time we need to share, isn't it now? If there's ever a time we need to share and be concerned about one another, it is now. Here is a chance to make up for what you didn't do before. Somebody that the Spirit of God can lay on your heart. You can say, Lord, put somebody on my heart. It may be a simple thing. It may be a little thing to you, but it may be a big thing to them. And God says, That's, these are sacrifices. That's what the Bible says. I'm, I'm going to read it for you. It says, do not forget to do good and to share for which such sacrifices, God is well pleased. That's the English language, clear. I didn't make it up, that's the Bible. He says, when you do those things, it's considered sacrifices. And he says, with such, that kind of sacrifice, God is what? Well pleased. So we're offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. One, praise. Two, Doing good and sharing. And then I'll give you one more. Write this down. Let me, let me, let me read it for you. Psalm 107. Nothing like you see me for yourself. Psalm 107. The word. Can't beat the word. 21. All that men... Would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 22. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of what? Thanksgiving. Did you see that? Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Does anybody here... You really think God deserves a sacrifice of thanksgiving this morning? You really think so? He's kept you through COVID. He's watched over you. He's provided for you. He's guided you. 
He's directed you. And stand up and give him thanks, will you please? Just you personally give him thanks. You take your time and give God thanks. You take your personal time and give God thanks. Give that thanks for yourself. I'll give God thanks for myself. Those of you at home, give him thanks. Wherever you are, just give him thanks. You think you deserve, you, you believe that God deserves to be thanked. Wherever you are, just thank him. You, it's up to you. You thank him how you want to thank him. You know what you're thanking him for. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. The Bible says sacrifice, sacrifices of thanksgiving. Maybe somebody don't feel like doing it this morning, but that's the time you need to do it. If you really believe God has done things for you, if you really believe, you need to thank him for something. You want to tell God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Here's a song, thanks. Thanks, we give you thanks for all you've done. I am so blessed, my soul is at rest. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks. Oh, yes, God. Come on, thanks. this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for keeping us, watching yeah. over us, for protecting us, for providing for us, for salvation. Thank you for choosing us. Yes. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, God's special people, a holy nation. That's who we classify us, a holy nation. That's who we are. That's who he's made us. 
And the Bible says that, let me jump ahead a little bit and tell you what is all that all about. So what is all that about? It's all about that we declare the glories or the excellences or the praises of him who has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness to his marvelous light. That's what the ultimate, that's where we're going, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to declare. Declare to our neighbors. Declare to our co-workers. Declare to our relatives. Declare to our friends. Declare to our enemies. Declare to everyone the excellences of God. The greatness of God. The glories of God. The goodness of God who has taken us out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, we have a job to do. As a priest, as a minister, we all have a job to do. All of us are supposed to be declaring to our neighbors, declaring to our relatives, declaring to our friends the glories of God, the goodness of God, the excellences of God. When you gather this Thanksgiving more than eating the food, you should be telling them about, you know, you know how God has been good to me. What a chance to testify about the goodness of God to you. Maybe they don't seem to accept it right now. And maybe they don't seem like they want to hear about it. But when you tell them they may be, when they get into something and they run into some problems later on, they may come the Holy Spirit, bring back to them. He says, God, God has been good to him. I wonder if God could be good to me too. It may not be immediate, but you are declaring. And on the job, you are declaring. Declaring the excellences of God, the goodness of God, the glories of God. That's why He's chosen us. That's why He's chosen us. It's for a purpose. It's to offer up these sacrifices and to declare. We offer up the sacrifice of praise. We offer up the sacrifices by doing good and sharing. We offer up sacrifices by giving thanks. And then we declare His excellences, His goodness, and who He is. That's what we're called to do. So my friends, you're a minister of the gospel. That's who you are. You're not a prophet. And you're not an apostle. But you're a minister of the gospel. And all of us begin as ministers of the gospel. Some eventually may become an evangelist. Some eventually may become pastors and teachers. But we are all equal as ministers of the gospel. Once you are a child of God, you're a minister. 
You're not licensed to go marry anybody. You're just a minister to carry out the ministry of reconciliation. Remember that? And you've been given a message of reconciliation. Don't leave here and say, Pastor, say I'm a minister so I can marry somebody. No. You're not legally able to do that. But you have every legal right to proclaim the name of Christ. You have every legal right to tell somebody that Jesus Christ saves. You have every legal right to pray with somebody. You don't need to call somebody and say, come, come. I, I, I can't pray. I can't enter in. So you, I can't go before God, but you can. So you come pray for this person. No. You have every right because you can go right into the presence yourself. So right there in the job, right there in the supermarket, right there at the counter, right there somewhere in the, in the aisle, and somebody needs prayer, you can stop and you can both, you can enter in for them right there. In the car, you can enter in. Wherever you are, I want you to begin to understand who you are in Christ and what you're called to do. We're going to dedicate the baby, so sit for a couple of minutes and then we're going to do that. I'm going to ask the family to come and just stand right up front here. And uh, Sister Francis, will you join me? As they come, the Bible says, then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. There's a beautiful baby girl, Cassidy Blossom Daniel. I see she has her mother's middle name, or grandmother's middle name. And we have Mother Solel and Father Fran. And we have godparents, Kristen and David. Amen. That's right. Sister Kristen, that's right. And, uh, and there's big brother. Amen. And, and sister, yes, bigger sister too. Amen. Growing family. But I want to pray for you first because you are, are going to be involved in raising Cassidy. And um, in this environment that we live, this world that we live, you're going to need all the wisdom you can get. You're going to need the mind of Christ. You're going to need the help of God. Now, God parents, I need to let you know what your roles are. They didn't give you that name for nothing. You're called godparents that if they don't raise Cassidy in a godly way, it is your responsibility to see to it. So if Cassidy is not in Sunday school, I'm coming after you. Because you are supposed to ensure that. That's your, that's your role as godparents. Grandma, you're supposed to set example. So you got to set example for Cassidy. Amen. <laughs> so
So let's pray for you first, parents and godparents and grandma and other relatives before we pray for Cassidy. Father, we thank you for this family that recognizes how important it is to follow the steps of Jesus. Even as those children were brought to the house of God to be blessed, they today have brought Cassidy to do the same. Lord, I ask you to order their steps and direct their path. I ask that your hand will be up on them, that you'll keep them and guide them and direct them. I pray you'll provide for them that they may provide adequately for Cassidy. I pray that they may raise her in the admonition admonition and the presence of God. I pray, God, that they would order their steps to be example, to live exemplary lives for Cassidy to follow. We put them into your hands. We pray you'll provide for them. We pray that they would be close to you. Draw them even closer now. We give you thanks for them bringing Cassidy today. In Jesus' name. You want to come closer? We're going to interpret. Okay, Sister Francis. Oh, you're going to go down? All right, she's going to come down and touch Cassidy. Yes, I'm going to ready. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for Cassidy so you can get a picture. Careful of your step. The, let's pray for Cassidy now. The Lord bless you and keep you, Cassidy. Oh, that the Lord would bless you indeed and enlarge your territory. That his hand would be with you. That would keep you from evil. May you never cause pain. I pray you bless her going out and her coming in, her rising up and lying down. That Lord, whatever she does, she would do it under the influence of the Spirit of God. May all her days be under your influence, God. May she submit to the authority of God. May she be a kingdom woman. Oh God, that the rule of God will be over her. Lord, may she, when she stands before you one day, may she hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We anoint her with oil today and dedicate her in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand. And this is for you. Certificate. God bless you. Get them a hand as they return. God bless you. We love you. Praise God. We're going to ask you all to stand together with me. I want to remind you that as you leave, the offering buckets are in between the empty rolls, and you can just drop your offering there as you go. And of course, those of you that give online, we continue to appreciate it. You continue to do so. Thank God for you as you continue to do as the Lord has asked you to walk in obedience to him. We want to wish you all a blessed Thanksgiving and a peaceful, healthy, safe Thanksgiving. That's important. These days, safety becomes priority. Health becomes a priority. And we pray pray God's blessing on you for that. We're going to pronounce a benediction if you raise your hand at this time. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. We're a chosen generation. All good to show his excellence. All I require of life, God has given me. I know who I am. We are a chosen generation. All good to show his excellence. All I require of life. Oh